Today's scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is God's word. Today, I'm very excited that we have a guest preacher. Uh, Tim Cooper and his family are part of our church. So those of you who have been around Emmanuel a a while may have met him in person before going to Zoom, but he's been with us over this period. Uh, But even if you've only been with us six or eight months, you may remember Tim preached for us in the fall. So I'm really grateful uh, for Tim and for his willingness to share this morning. So Tim, thank you for uh, preparing and for preaching this morning. I'll hand things over to you. Thank you, Scott. You know, New York City is a city of uh, profound contradictions. On the one hand, there's great wealth. And on the other hand, there's great poverty. Travel to parts of the Bronx and Queens, you know that. On the one hand, there's great beauty, art, museums, theater, dance. On the other hand, there's great ugliness. There's idolatry and hate crimes, violence. On the one hand, there's great diversity. Every language spoken on the planet Earth is spoken in New York City, every people group. On the other hand, there's great segregation, according to class, according to ethnicity. But I think the the most interesting contradiction is that on the one hand, there is great density. One city block contains thousands of people. But on the other hand, there's great loneliness and isolation. I'd like to talk about that, the last contradiction today. Have you ever felt this profound and deep sense of loneliness and isolation? I certainly have. Today I want to talk about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now this, I hate to use the word secret because people often use that word in a strange way, but this is the secret to the Christian life, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You you cannot overcome loneliness and isolation without the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So today, let's divide it into three headings. The first, I want to understand why we need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we'll look at how this fellowship comes into our lives, and thirdly, what it produces, why we need fellowship with the Holy Spirit, how it comes into our lives, and what it produces. But let's take a quick look at the context of the passage that we read today. Now, the Apostle Paul was the author of the epistle, to the, the first epistle to the Corinthians and the second. He was the planter. He planted the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was in a similar situation to our situation here in New York City. Corinth was a very rich city, was a diverse city. There was lots of immorality and idolatry. And Paul had to write a letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, in which he rebuked them. He had to set some things in order. And then he made what he calls the painful visit. 
He went there himself. And he actually had to discipline people. Perhaps he even excommunicated one or two. And then I can imagine that he felt a little sorry, maybe. Maybe he was a little too harsh with them. And the letter in 2 Corinthians was an effort to comfort them, to restore relations with them, to make sure that they still loved him as he loved them. So that's the letter. And at the end of Paul's letters, he often signed the letter himself. It was his way of of letting people know that the letter actually came from him. He wrote the letter by dictating it to a scribe or an amanuensis, and then he would get so full of the themes that he was writing about that he would give a blessing. And the blessing that he included at the end of this letter was the blessing that we have today. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now, shortly after uh, the first century in Paul's time, this blessing, this Trinitarian blessing, became a part of the church's liturgy. Just a collection of uh, liturgical elements from the fourth century. I found this this week. It's quite interesting. From Antioch little book called the Apostolic Constitutions. Listen to what it says. The bishop then begins the prayer, standing in front of the altar. He's surrounded by the priest and splendidly adorned. With his hand, he signs his forehead with the triumphant sign of the cross and says, The grace of Almighty God, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And... Let all with one voice say, and with your spirit. And it has stayed, it has remained as a part of the church's liturgical forms up to this day. Here's the amazing thing. On this day, this Mother's Day, around the world, in every language, among every people group, this blessing is being spoken. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So that's a little bit of the context of this passage. What does fellowship mean? It's that Greek word we talk about from time to time, koinonia. It even sounds like what it means. Togetherness. Partnership. Friendship. That's what Paul is saying. Now, there are two I guess we get two meanings for his, his, his saying, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It could mean fellowship that we have with the Holy Spirit. I think it certainly means at least that. But it also means fellowship that we have with one another through the Holy Spirit. You know, Christians are sometimes unlovable. You are sometimes unlovable. And without the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we could never love one another. So, our first point. Why do we need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Well, to answer that, we have to go all the way back to the garden. In the second verse of the first chapter of the Bible, we're told that the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And he was involved in creation. He created all the beauty that we see around us. And then he was involved in the creation of Adam. 
Did you know that? He was there forming him and shaping him, breathing life into him, <clears throat> because he, the spirit, is God. And then there's a cryptic little passage, a verse in uh, the third chapter of Genesis, which says that after Adam and Eve fell, they heard the sound of the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, we can surmise from that that Adam had the sweetest type of fellowship with God. Did they walk in the garden in the windy part of the day, as the text actually says? I think so, but I can't prove it from that text. But Adam walked hand in hand with God in the garden, and that was satisfying. He had fellowship. But it wasn't enough. At some point, he found himself alone or lonely. And so God, the Spirit, put Adam to sleep and took out something from his side. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was important. And then he built a woman. Sometimes my son builds with Lego, and that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did. He built a woman, and he brought her to Adam. Now, to understand how satisfying his fellowship with, was with the woman, you have to think about poetry. Do you like romantic poetry? <laughs> I do. What about sonnet number 18 by Shakespeare? Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art far more lovely and more temperate. That's highbrow poetry, right? What about the lowbrow poetry, popular poetry? There's a song by John Legend. Perhaps you know this song, All of Me. You ever heard that song? Lowbrow poetry, right? But popular, two billion views on YouTube. He says, because all of me loves all of you, loves your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. Give your all to me. And if you want to understand what Adam said, how deeply satisfied he was with the fellowship he had with Eve, Think about that. This, at last, is bone of my bones. <laughs> flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Isn't God good? Adam had fellowship with God, and he had fellowship with a woman, Eve. But someone will say, and I know my son would say this because he really wants a dog. He would say, Wait, there were no pets. <laughs> but God had that too. Brought all the animals in front of Adam, and whatever he named them, that was their name. Now, if that doesn't describe the adoption process for a pet, I don't know what describes it. Adam had the animals, he had a wife, and he had God. Wonderful fellowship. But then what happened? Sin entered in. Isn't that the human story? Sin entered in, and Adam and Eve fell. And they fell from fellowship. I've been enjoying the children's stories that we've had during the pandemic time. Thank you, Scott, today, Justine, and FT, and other people, Melissa. But about two weeks ago, we had a picture of a little girl who was on the timeout seat. I think it was that great theologian, F.T. Chong, who presented that picture. And that stuck in my mind. The timeout seat, he said. 
And you know, brothers and sisters, it, it pains us to have to talk about it, but we have to. We have to warn people. The fellowship that we have lost with God, if it's not restored, it ends in the cosmic timeout. It's a place called hell. Eternal separation from God. You know, sometimes I think really intelligent people who don't want to believe in, in the Lord, they, they reason like this about hell. <clears throat> well, there'll be a confederacy there, right? Of all the really smart people, a resistance against God. And at least I'll have some consolation in that. That's not what the Bible says. Hell is a place of utter and complete aloneness. No fellowship. None with God. None with the people we love. None with our pets. And so we warn you, don't end up there. Return to God through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we return to God? That's the first point. Why we need it how it comes into our lives, the second point. Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love that word, grace? It's a wonderful name for a woman, grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. God giving us what we don't deserve. And he did that in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus left heaven, humbled himself, and came to earth in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he had a real physical body. The Bible says he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And then he was taken and crucified, put into a tomb, risen, and then he ascended into heaven. Now, if you're a skeptic, you might be thinking to yourself, Christians always talk about Jesus. They're always talking about him. And you might ask yourself or ask Christians the question, where is the Jesus you talk about. Where is he? Certainly not here on earth. I can't see him. I can't touch him. My son and I used to love going to playgrounds in the middle of winter because it was the only time that we could be alone in the playground. And I remember once when he was about two or three, we went to a playground on 110th Street and it was the middle of February and we were alone. And he loved to play hide and seek. And so on this day, I decided I was really going to get him. I was going to hide in a way that he could never find me. And so I found a really large tree, and I hid behind it far away from him. And he began to count down. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Here I come. And he searched for me for a minute or so. Couldn't find me. But he was a trooper. He kept on looking for me. And then from behind my spot, I heard a most plaintive voice. Papa! Papa! Where are you? I thought, I'm not going to let him find me. I'm going to stay right here. And then he began sobbing. Papa! Papa! Where are you? And I thought, I better get him or somebody's going to think he's an abandoned child. When I got to him, he was ugly crying. Tears were coming down, wiping his nose. He said something to me that almost broke my heart. Papa! I thought you left me. Do you know God, Jesus, he has not abandoned his church. 
he has not left us. Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. This is a most profound thing, and you almost want to think that it's a lost doctrine of the church, that the Lord Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. There's a passage in John that I want to read to you. It's in John chapter 16. Jesus says to his disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then he says about the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is with us when we meet? Does he provide the presence of the Lord Jesus when we meet? How did you wake up this morning when you came to this service? Did you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, there's that guy, Peter, and he's just going to be giving the opening sentences, and, and Melissa's going to come on and give the announcement and say she's going to chat a link, and Tommy's going to put it in the... <laughs> and then perhaps Scott will come on, and he'll mumble a few things, and maybe he'll say something interesting. Oh, there's a new guy preaching. Ah, oh, well, no, I don't need to listen to that guy. So, Is that the way you thought about it? Or did you say to yourself, I'm going to gather with those people. We're the people of God. And the Lord Jesus has promised that his spirit will be with us when we meet. Maybe there'll, there'll be someone who needs to be converted. Jesus is here. He can do it. Maybe there's someone who's alone and needs healing. Jesus is here. He can do it. Maybe there's someone that the spirit will fall upon and remind them of his love. The Lord Jesus is here and he can do it. It's been such a hard time for pastors during this pandemic season. I was, and leaders, elders, and leaders in the church. Many are burnt to a crisp. You know, toast gets when it's really crispy. A lot of people have been burnt like that. If you mention George Floyd, somebody's angry. If you didn't mention George Floyd, somebody was angry. If you mentioned anything political, somebody left. If you didn't say anything political, someone left. And pastors and leaders, I'm, I'm preaching to a few people here today, so you don't have to listen to this, but pastors and leaders will get burnt to a crisp by people if they do not rely upon the Holy Spirit. We can't work him up. We can't work some magic and some spell and make people believe, oh, yeah, you know, I need to go to church. Jesus has promised that when we gather together, the Spirit is with us, and he brings the presence of Jesus. Do you believe that? I hope you do. So that's how we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, through Jesus' grace and him sending the Spirit into our hearts and in, among us as a community. Well, there's one last point, and that is what that produces. And I'll spend a little time on this one. 
what does that produce? You know, people talk a lot about personal pronouns today. And sometimes they even make it really known to you. This is my, these are my personal pronouns. I want to be known by these. But you know something? God's personal pronouns are always he, his, and him. Do you believe that? God always presents himself as he, his, and him. But here's the secret. When it comes to describing how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, he often uses maternal images, nurturing images, mothering images. And if you really want to understand how the Spirit is with you and works in your life, you have to think through some of those images that God gives to us. So let's think about that. What's the first image that he gives to us? Birth. We must be born again by the Spirit. You know, when, when my son was born, <clears throat> we had a, an emergency procedure. And it's really traumatic when that happens. Some of you may have gone through that. But I was sitting in the operating room with the nurse. And she turned to me and she said to both my wife, <laughs> she said, I'm going to apologize to you ahead of time if I cry. Because every time a baby is born, I cry. Have you been born again by the Spirit? Has the Spirit birthed you? What a nurturing maternal image, birth, bringing new things to life. Make sure you know that you are born again. If you're uncertain, I don't want to give anyone more work, but talk to someone. You must be born again. What's another image that the Bible uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Feeding. He feeds us. Peter says, like newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow by it. The Spirit feeds us. I can remember before I was a Christian, I used to read the Bible, and it was like a, a fog settled on my head. I could see the words. I could understand what it meant. But it, it really couldn't understand it. <laughs> and then when I was born again, I could understand it. And the word of God became the best thing in my life. I'm sure some of you have had that experience. The Holy Spirit feeds us. Are you feeding on God's word or are you being fed by him? Here's another image that the Bible uses. He leads us. Sometimes I see a group of kids who go to a French preschool on the block that we live on. And they're going from the preschool to the park. And they're all tied together by a rope. Have you ever seen that? They're all tied together by a rope. And they all have on bright yellow vests. And in front of them is a lady with that high-pitched teacher voice. You know that voice that kids love? And she's singing to them, Frère Jacques. I'm singing too low. Frère Jacques. <laughs> and they're just walking along, holding one another's arms. And it takes them about 15 minutes to get from one block 
to the other block. But nobody's concerned. <laughs> They're just having fun. And, you know, sometimes I look at them and I say, man, I think I might give a tip of a finger to just be a kid like that for a moment, to just be walking along, to be able to take a nap in the middle of the day, not have to worry about anything. But that's another image that the Bible gives us. The Spirit leads us just like that. Unless you become like a little child. Isn't that what Jesus says? Unless you become converted and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Well, there's another image that the Bible gives us of the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. He births us, he leads us, and he also fills us. Now, this gets a little confusing to most people, right? Especially amongst conservative people. The Spirit fills us. You know why we're confused in a way? You ever watch Star Wars? I like Star Wars. I'm not going to say anything negative about it. But you ever watch Star Wars? And people often talk about the Force. The Force be with you. And the Force is this, what is it? Energy. You can control it. You can become a master in it. Or sometimes people think of the spirit like a bottle of water. If I could just get filled like that up to the tippy top, then I'd be okay. And they run around to meetings and strange people put hands on them and they're doing all kinds of weird things just to, just to get filled up and I'll be all right. The Bible never has that idea in mind. It's the idea of a person. The spirit is a person. And when you are near him, when he has a relationship with you, you're full of him. You ever heard that song by John Denver? It sticks in my mind. That's one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar. You fill up my senses, right? Isn't that what he says? I always thought that's quite apropos for our relationship with the spirit. We come near to him. And he, his personality, so fills us. We're so filled in our relationship with him that out of, out of our mouths we speak. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. That's always what people, what happens to people when they're full of the spirit. They begin to speak the praises of God. That's a test. Do you praise God? Do you worship him? Does it come naturally to you? It's this filling of the spirit that does that. We all have the spirit. I better say that unless someone misunderstands me. We all have the spirit if we're Christians. But from time to time, in his sovereign way, the spirit of God can come near to us. And we can be so filled with his presence that we say to ourselves, thank you, Lord. And we begin to worship him. He fills us. And then... He does something that is quite amazing to me. He gives us love, or he teaches us how to love. To love God. Do you know God is eminently unlovable if you're not a Christian? <laughs> Sometimes we Christian people talk about God and his love as if it's easy to love God. 
And then you meet a person who's an honest uh, unbeliever or skeptic, and they remind you that God's not easy to love. I had a friend once who, she was not a Christian, and when she had a child, her and her husband contacted me, and they said to me, please pray for our child. Child was sick and needed procedures. And you know how we Christian people are. We have these little Christian sayings that we use. And I said, I'll pray for you, but I know God loves your child more than we could ever love the child. Why did I say that? What a dumb thing to say. They didn't speak to me for two years. And when the wife saw me, she said, the baby's better. My son's better. But I was angry at you. How could you say that to me, that God loves my child more than I do? If God loved my child, why was my son sick? I thought she was right. The only way we can ever love a God who is holy and distant and far away is if the Spirit softens our hearts and teaches us to love God. We love him because he first loved us. He also teaches us how to love ourselves. You heard me right. Love yourself. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And a lot of Christian people don't know how to love themselves. Isn't that true? Because we've been abused in the past. We've been hurt, abandoned. But the Spirit comes along and he teaches us, you are lovable. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. If God lives inside of you, are you lovable? And then he teaches us to love hard to love people like me and like you. You know, I, I, I came to Emmanuel, I came back to Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel uh, two years ago, about two years ago. And I'll never forget Tracy Tay. I don't know if she's here today, but I'll never forget that there I was with my son and, and she and her husband were there, Ajin, and, you know, she had her kids around her. And it's hard when you have kids that are that, that are that age. It's difficult, right? But she was so kind to me. She sat and she spoke with me and she talked to me. Now, it seems like such a simple little thing, right? But Bajin gave me a handshake. I remember he was holding his baby and he caught my hand and he, <laughs> he shaked it. <laughs> I remember Nick Wasserman. That brother looked me in the eye. He's about as tall as me, right? two bald-headed guys who just stood there and he looked me right in the eye and he shook my hand and he really talked to me, you know? He didn't have to do that. Thomas Pan, I see you, Tommy. He talked to me. We talked about silly stuff, about relations between black people and Asian people. And he was just totally cool, just chill, just talking to me. I can remember we saw Charlie. He was walking past us in the hallway and he said, good morning. And my wife said, is that the pastor? I said, oh, he's not the pastor now. But it was just... Just little small gestures. Melissa and her husband came over and they talked to me. God teaches us through the Holy Spirit to love hard to love people like me and like you. This is the great work of the Holy Spirit. Do you see it, brothers and sisters? Every sermon is inadequate. We've fallen so far. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
sends the spirit into our lives. And then we have a relationship with the spirit and a relationship with one another. There is a sentence, and I would be, I would be wrong if I didn't uh, talk about this verse in the passage. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> That's the kind of verse I would be waiting for a preacher to preach about. Yeah, let's see what he says about that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> That's an introvert's nightmare, isn't it? Holy kisses coming from you everywhere, people you don't know. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Oh, my goodness, get me out of here. What's the apostle saying there? Is he saying we have to kiss one another? That would be inappropriate. It wouldn't that? <laughs> but what he's saying is, as it is culturally appropriate, greet one another in a warm and open manner. Now we're going to do an exercise. My son always does exercises at the end of his Zoom classes, so we're going to do a little exercise. I want you to think to yourself, are there any people, any groups of people? It doesn't matter who they are. It could be people who chew too loudly, talk too loudly, <laughs> people who wear a lot of perfume, or it could be an ethnic group. Are there any people that if they started to come to Emmanuel, you would struggle to greet them with a holy kiss? Just take a moment and let the Spirit show you if there are any people who are like that. Because in the future going forward, the Christian church is going to have to be so welcoming, so hospitable, so open to outsiders that you need to know, and the Spirit needs to show you, how you can love people that you don't really want to love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You're such a good God. You are worthy to be praised. We love you, Lord. We worship you. I pray especially for those people who are in leadership. We lift up our brother, Scott. Week in and week out, he's been preparing food to feed us. Strengthen him, Lord. Strengthen him with might by your spirit in his inner man. Make him strong and courageous that he may continue the work. Pray for the elders of the church. Peter, Jiming, Ajin, and their wives, Lord. Rebuke the enemy who's always looking to discourage us. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. All those people who lead from week to week, who pray, who sing, strengthen us, Lord, by might with your spirit in our inner person. We thank you, Lord. And for all of us, fall fresh on us, Holy Spirit. If we're Christians, we have you, but we need a fresh filling. Would you do that? We believe you will. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.